Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel lesson comes from Matthew's gospel, the 22nd chapter, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul And with all your mind, this is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have known Ron Greer for ten years. He has been in pastoral counseling ministry for more years than that. But Ron is a friend, a colleague, and as a young minister, when I worked with him, he was a resource that I could bounce my ideas off or take my frustrations to, and his advice was sound and true, and it was about loving and serving others. His latest book, The Path of Compassion, Living with Heart, Soul, and Mind, is very appropriate for a world which is very divided. So I'm grateful that Ron is here to offer us his wisdom and to offer us a sermon this morning. And I'll shamelessly plug Ron so he doesn't have to do it himself. If you would like to purchase Ron's newest book, you'll find copies available in the narthex. But know that all proceeds from the book sales go to support the Uzima water filters, which we supported a couple Lents ago uh, through our Lenten offering. Uh, The water filters that are being used in Africa and Puerto Rico have reduced waterborne illnesses by 98% in the five or six years that they've been in service there. So the proceeds go to a good place, but I'm grateful for Ron uh, and his witness and his sharing with us this morning. So please welcome Ron Greer. He was a young man in his early 30s, bright, busy, developing his career with loads of potential. And his grandmother was dying. She had fought the good fight with cancer through a long and difficult struggle. And her grandson was flying to Virginia to see her. Her pain was severe and her body was now frail. She had always been a woman of independence and dignity, but this new reality, with its dependency and indignities, was humbling, if not at times humiliating. Bone cancer made walking impossible. She was now reliant on kind hearts and strong arms. Her grandson, her joys in life had been wide but now they were narrowed to a precious few, and this grandson was one of those few that remained, and now he stepped into her doorway. 
She squealed with delight and they spent the afternoon talking and laughing and retelling their stories. The next morning she would be going for radiation to help reduce the pain. It would be her final moments in the sunlight. An attendant pushed her wheelchair out to the curb. She would need help those few steps from the curb to the car. And so her grandson came up to her and he gently wrapped his arms around her. He lifted her in the air and a gleam came in his eye and he said, Gran, pretend we're dancing. Compassion springs from that Christ-like place within every human heart. Compassion is to lift others up out of their isolation and into relationship, out of the loneliness of any of life's struggles and into caring connection. Compassion is to reach down Lift others up and invite them to dance. As Thomas said, we live in a time of divisiveness, distrust, and disrespect. We sadly live in a world that rather criticize than connect, and had rather, had rather judge than come to understand each other. And like you, I wish there was something anything I could do to change it. And I have decided that there is. I can begin with me. I can begin with developing a heart of compassion as fully and completely as I can achieve. Now that idea is hardly new. Centuries and centuries ago, Rumi said, when I was clever, I sought to change the world. Now that I'm wise, I am changing myself. Or in the past century, Gandhi spoke the now famous words, be the change you want to see in the world. Developing hearts, compassion. Will you join me? This invitation to a life of caring is exactly what Jesus invited us to do. A lawyer, we are told, approached Jesus with the question, we know the story, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It was straight out of the Jewish Shema that they repeated its Sabbath at worship. The crowd was nodding in agreement. That is the first and greatest commandment. The crowd continued to nod. And the second is like it. And the nodding stopped. What second is like it? What second is there to be like it? Jesus continued, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Two great commandments now forever intertwined. Two tenets of the faith now forever connected. Love of God with love of neighbor. One from Deuteronomy, the other from 
Leviticus, love of God is love of neighbor. Love of neighbor is an expression of our love of God. Love of neighbor is the voice, the language with which we speak to God of our love. And then Jesus added his grand finale. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything. Everything. Everything, all of the law, all of the teachings, all of our values are to be seen through the lenses of these two commandments. For as Paul was later to write, the only thing that matters. Did you hear that? The only thing that matters. And I think Paul is already reminding us that we're making it far too complicated. The only thing that matters is love. It is his faith expressing itself through love. Compassion. Those moments of compassion are sacred, sacramental moments. Jesus said, when you've done it to one of the least, you've done it to me. Each of those connections of compassion are times that we brush up against the divine. To me, there are four expressions of a Christian heart that truly cares. Let me share them with you. There's sympathy, empathy, compassion, and loving kindness. Each are important. Each are related to each other, but they're different. And each build on the other. First, sympathy. Sympathy is to be with another. The key word for sympathy is presence. Sympathy is very similar in meaning with its linguistic cousin, empathy. But there's an important difference. Both of the two words have as their root pathos, which of course is Greek for suffering. But the first syllable in sympathy is sin. Now this is riveting stuff, isn't it? My gosh, Thomas, we've got to be in that dress on a Sunday morning to hear about the etymology of Greek words. Stay with me, it'll pick up in a minute. <laughs> sympathy, pathos, sim, with. Sympathy is to be with. And pathos means something, remember. Sympathy is to be with one in their suffering. Sympathy is to do it together. Sympathy, presence. There's no greater gift for those who are in pain that we can offer than the gift of ourselves to be fully present. Remember when you were there? Perhaps it was at a funeral home. Remember when you were standing in the receiving line and all of those came by to speak to you and bring their support, remember? One thing I can all but guarantee, you do not remember a single word any of them said 
but what you remember were their faces and their embraces. Now, they said something. They, they spoke. But they didn't have to because their presence had already brought you the gift, the blessing of grace. Sympathy is where caring to begin, begins to be supportively, meaningfully present. I read once of a, of a group of senators, United States senators, who were studying poverty in the United States. And they were going on a tour of the Mississippi Delta, and they were talking with sharecropper families. One of the senators went up to one of these men who was a sharecropper, very, very poor. And his daughter was playing in the dirt in their front yard. And the senator said to this man, he asked him, what do you do when your daughter there is still hungry and there's nothing left to feed her? And he said, I tell her that there's nothing left. I try to be as calm as I can when I see it, and I assure her that tomorrow will come, and with it, more food. And then this very wise man added, and then I hold the little one tight, and she feeds off that. You know, the closeness. In countless ways, with countless hungers in life, we do feed off that, the closeness, the presence of one who cares. Empathy. The key word for sympathy is presence. The key word for empathy is resonance. Heartfelt resonance. We look into the face of human need and we feel deeply. We are moved. We are touched. Kelly, wherever you are, that was beautiful this morning. Kelly looks into the face of human need. That presentation on the ministry feed and see. Kelly looks into the face of human need and we felt with her how deeply moved and how deeply touched she and the others involved in that ministry are. That's empathy. We feel it. We get it. We resonate. Our hearts swell or our tears well. Again, the word origins are important to illuminate the meaning. The body of each word is pathos suffering of sympathy and empathy. But the sin in sympathy is with. The M in empathy is in. We are in it together. We resonate. Empathy in suffering together. They are not alone. Sympathy is to be with them in their suffering. Empathy is to be in their suffering with them. Imagine you're in the waiting room at Children's Hospital. You're sitting with a friend as her son has surgery. They're operating on his heart. He will 
take a while, and you are there every day. Each of you get a cup of coffee, and you sit there and you chat about anything but what's going on down the hallway. And after a time of talking, then she picks up her magazine, and you pick up your book, and you both begin to read. You sit there with her. You're not going anywhere. You are with her. You are present. That's why you came to be totally available. That's sympathy. That's presence. And then after a time, later that morning, you look up at your friend, and her eyes are brimming with tears. And she starts to cry as she says to you, I am so scared. And you reach over and you take her hand and you say, of course you are. That's why I'm here. Tell me about it. That's empathy. That's resonance. And then there's compassion. Compassion is to make a difference. That's the key phrase. The key for sympathy is presence, for empathy is resonance, for compassion it is to make a difference. Contact, compassion contains each of the components of sympathy and empathy, and then it builds on them. It picks up where they leave all. Sympathy and empathy are the passive components of this loving enterprise. Compassion is boots on the ground. Compassion wants to make a difference. It's, it adds the new dimension, the desire to do something about it. The definition of compassion is the sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with the desire to alleviate it. That's one definition. Another definition is the feed and seed ministry at Sandy Springs United Methodist Church. Another definition is the buddy backpack. Another is family promise. Another is a little house. These are each how Sandy Springs beautifully defines compassion. Compassion wants to make a difference. The point isn't just to feel compassion, it is to be compassionate. Compassion always involves loving kindness. Simply put, loving kindness means we not only want our neighbor to be free of pain and distress, but we want for them to lead lives of meaning and joy. It points to a generosity of spirit in which we want the most fulfilled lives for those around us. Arthur Frederick Buechner put it this way. He said, it is the knowledge that there can never be, really be, any peace and joy for me until there is finally peace and joy for you. If you ever want to see loving kindness in action, just go with my wife, Karen, 
anywhere. Target publics, you name it. She brings a light and a grace wherever she goes. Loving kindness. She goes to her oncologist for an infusion. And every staff member with whom she comes in contact is infused with the grace of her loving kindness. And if compassionate loving kindness isn't at the center of our theology and of our living, then we have missed the relational starting point of our faith. Love of God. Love of neighbor. Everything. Everything hangs on these two commandments. I have a friend. His name is John. John lives in South Carolina. He is a physician who has retired from his medical practice and now consults with hospitals in the region. John was at one of these hospitals and an attending physician asked him if he would join both himself and his residents for rounds one morning. They all walked into the room of a woman who had a very aggressive form of cancer. They went in and they do what attending physicians and residents do. They stood around her bed and the attending described her prognosis, the diagnosis, the prognosis, the upcoming treatment, and then they had her back and forth with questions. This poor woman sitting in that line in that bed, she was as nervous as I would have been. She felt so terribly exposed. She was fidgeting, she was wringing her sheets. Finally, they were about to leave, and before they did, the physician turned to my friend John. He said, John, would you like to add anything before we go? John walked over to this lady's bedside, and he said, Christina, you have got the busiest hands I've ever seen. May I hold them? And there, in front of God and everybody, this doctor she had never laid eyes on before reached over, sat down on her bedside, and reached over and held her hands. And there they talked like two old friends, as if nobody else was in the room. They talked about her cancer, they talked about her treatment, they talked about playfully, talked about her upcoming wig, they even talked about where she went to church. They finished that conversation. And John patted her hand, said goodbye, and they all left. The next day, her attending physician was back in the room to see her with discharge instructions. And he said, I hope everyone has treated you well during your stay here. She assured him that they had. And she said, and you know that doctor who came with you yesterday? The one who held my hands after that I knew I was going to be able to deal with this. As John was later to add, she wasn't healed, but she was made whole. In your love, 
and compassion with those that you lead. You too, in your own way, will take their hands. And though their struggles will not disappear by your loving kindness, their hearts will be touched. And by the grace of God, they will be made whole. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn, hymn 572. Let's stand and sing together. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.